host for this week park parkinson along with me is my guest for this week nay renley hi nay howdy ho and again we're here for minute three that's from two minutes and zero seconds to two minutes 59 seconds uh we start off where we we left off with fran arriving with the tray she opens the door and then she sees the body and says the i'm not going to swear but says 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 a swear and then we get the title card and a lovely mystery novel font with a sharp v cutting through the underline of knives out and then a a young woman wakes up and we wonder was it all a dream but no we get a little other little um other little uh, uh line of words at the bottom saying it's been one week uh um and now I have the song One Week in My Head. It's been one week <laughs> it's been. since Harlan Thrombey's demise. <laughs> Cocked her head to the side and said, I'm crazy. And then there's a, a harsh cut, and we are definitely in contemporary um, modern day. We have a lot of street sounds of modern day. Uh, and it says in the script, this is a, a South Boston project. Uh, we are in the uh, Cabrera household. And uh, Marta is the young woman. We don't know her name now, but we will learn later. Her name is Marta. Uh, is the young one who wakes up. And then we see her and her mom and her sister uh, who have a little bit of talking. And then that's the end of our minute. So let's talk about this minute. Um, what did you think? What are your first thoughts? Well, we, we got a new character. We got uh, Mr. Thromby. We'll yeah, all say we, hi to him. <laughs> say hi and bye to Mr. Thromby. <laughs> By Christopher Plummer, who uh, I just saw is the voice of Charles Muntz in Up. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Um, I, I, Still, when I think of Christopher Plummer, still the first thing I think of is Sound of Music. And I'm not even a big musical person. I just... Uh, that's I, I don't even know if actually... It, uh, Sad thing to admit. I'm not sure I've seen The Sound of Music all the way through in one sitting. Both not that it's video bad. cassettes? Uh, oh, God. Um, <laughs> it's just so long. It's so very long. But, like, I mean, it's he does a great job. Um, it's schmaltzy, yeah. but he does a great job. And Idol Voice is great. And they tear up a Nazi flag. What's not to love? Yeah. Um, and The Sound of Music is actually my favorite thing about music. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. Um, my, I, I like the look of music because yeah. um, I have synesthesia. I don't, <laughs> but I wish I did. Um, it was a fa- and I, I, a major tangent here. I cannot recall the name now, but I, I, I feel dumb. But there's a famous composer who had synesthesia. He used to really confuse his... Uh, his uh, his orchestra by saying things like no 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 bluer bluer and they would have no idea what the hell he was talking about <laughs> uh, so yeah we we do we do see um 
Mr. Thrombi very briefly with his throat cut. Uh, Fran opens the door, has to shove the door open uh, very uncomfortably while holding, trying to balance her tray, and sees uh, Harlan Thrombi there lying on the white couch uh, with his throat cut and his blood spilling out over the couch and onto the white rug on the floor. Yeah, they need to get the, some club soda immediately. Oh, I I don't... Nothing's going to get that out, late. They just this need to dye the gone, whole couch really now. Yeah. <laughs> you just bleed all over the whole thing <laughs> and that'll fix it up. It's, again, and the whole room is red. This is like... This is... This is it, we're clearly up in his... Sanctum Sanctorum, where where Harlan Thrombi writes and relaxes. This is the most chill of all of the rooms. Um, this is the most sort of higgledy-piggledy um, arranged in many ways. Except on the uh, little desk there, I see some note cards laid out, ver- different colors laid out very carefully. It's, it's, this is, He's working. This is his workroom. Um, there is... Weirdly, he's reclined on this couch, and next to him on the couch, almost like a therapist, there's like a mannequin sitting on a chair with its legs crossed, um, and I can't tell if it's a male or female. I think it's a dude. I'm gonna, yeah, it's got a pipe, and I think it's a, not that women can't <laughs> pipes, but I believe it is a dude. It's Freud. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, also redheaded, so maybe we're we're, we're going to keep going with a sort of uh, Irishness, uh, and also the redness. This again, the whole room is red. Everything in the room is red. It's this blood room. Uh, we see some some uh, face masks. They almost look like death masks lined up uh, behind him on the shelf. Everywhere, every patch of wall that can be covered with either books or or uh, uh, art in frames is done so. Um, some of it, again, really kind of kitschy or simple stuff. Like there's part of an eye chart uh, in one spot. Uh, you know, it's it looks very comfy and cozy and clearly an attic room because the, the, the walls are pitched a bit. Um, it might be the warmest room, too, because heat from all the fireplaces would be rising up. <sighs> Yeah, the, the, you get a lot of heat uh, in the upper floors that way. To take so, off yeah, your I shoes, this, maybe, up there. This is a nice place to be in the winter where you can still, you know, feel your fingers without uh, spending a huge amount on heating. And, yeah, and he's just, he's got a nice place to write. He's, and he has a computer, right? There's not, like, sort of the cliche of a Remington. He has a, he has, looks like it could be a Mac. Um, so there yeah, you go. Like a really nice writing room. Yeah, so that right there, the Mac, you got it. You've already progressed what time frame this could be in 20 years 30 years from that coffee mug oh yeah just looking at the computer i can tell that this is this is like present day yeah. or real recent this is at least the 2000s uh from the look of the computer yeah it's got um, o- os high sierra on there so. <laughs> well, i can't i can't see what's on the computer it's a flat screen but but it does look like everything looks like fairly recent the thing here looks old um, I mean, Christopher Palmer. lots of things look old, but the stuff on the desk doesn't look, um, you know, from like 30, 40 years ago. And like I said, he's not, he's not a, a, a typewriter. Uh, so we, we get this very arresting shot. And then my favorite part of our minute is when uh, Fran drops, but doesn't drop her tray. Because I don't know how many times, to- how many... 
how many mystery novels uh, or or mystery episodes of TV shows or movies involve someone finding a dead body and dropping a glass or a tray of food and shrieking. Yeah, it just and then you usually you you go out to the house or like another room and just hear the shrieking. And often you don't see the body. And in this case, we actually see the body and then we zoom right in on her and watch her start to drop the tray, realize she's dropping the tray. And because it is second nature, you immediately try and catch the thing that you're dropping. Oh, crap. Um, she doesn't say crap, but oh, crap. And uh, and she actually does manage to catch a lot of it. It was uh, good hands, Fran. Yeah. Uh, it was very realistic. Yeah. And funny. It was funny. It was a human reaction instead of the, like, screaming, which is hard to imagine. You know? It's like in movies when people, like, yell, no! And you're like, what even <laughs> happens in your head that makes you want to do that? Because you, you can't, you've never heard anyone do it, so I don't think it happens very often. And uh, But in, somehow in movies, it happens all the time. People are always oh, doing the, it. Oh, the number of times I've stood over the dead bodies of friends, kneeling and then shouting no to the heavens. Yeah. Oh, if I had a nickel. I'd have eight nickels. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's really realistic and and human and and again, it, it, seeing her juggle the stuff is is funny because because it violated the convention. It was it was humorous. And then we go to our our title card again, which looks like a it looks like a novel title. Oh yeah, a mystery novel. Uh, knives out in a in a quite nice uh, mystery novel cover font. Again, underline with the V cutting through sharply. It looks really pretty. And then we see Marta waking up, who looks, um, I, I said this when we were chatting beforehand, looks like movie character strung out. Like she, like she, clearly she's wearing movie makeup and she looks put together and not realistically like someone who just uh, woke up from uh, either a sound or a fitful night's sleep. But in movie language, you can see she is pale. There are kind of circles under her eyes. Her lip color is like the same as her foundation. She looks a little, she looks haggard in a movie Mm -hmm. sense. Um, And then we get the note that this is a week after Harlan's death. So I think, okay, so she's not been sleeping well for a week. She's in rough shape. Uh, We are, by the way, now about 20 seconds into our minute uh we focus on her for a little while and we see her room which looks you know kind of nice is a second story room uh is a radiator I was, so we know we're in a different kind of class place than the mansion we were in just before well and i was thinking when they show harlan's body the camera kind of rises up at it and goes over it and it it's probably the image that she just woke up with. She's probably like waking up oh. traumatized by that image, even though, yeah, this is like the last thing she I can, saw. I can easily imagine that, like, like we are, we are seeing almost kind of the tail end of her, of her nightmare. Yeah. Cause that she's, pers- she's imagining Harlan's, Harlan's body. Yeah. Cause that perspective shot, like it goes up, but, uh, Fran doesn't go that way. So it's not her perspective. It's, you know, it's a camera movement, but also it would, be more similar to hers probably yeah it's almost almost like a shot reverse shot with the body where we're looking down on the body and then we're looking actually up a little bit at marta mm-hmm. like from where the body was almost yeah that's that's really cool uh, off, off to the side but still yeah that's really cool well then we look at the exterior we get we get an establishing shot of the where uh marta cabrera is living um 
and the script. So this is a South Boston project. I gotta say it. I mean, I have a, uh, I I have I have not lived in a lot of big cities. I I think Milwaukee's largest to live in. When we hear projects, we usually have a much more negative impression. This is a nice place. It's like like a like a townhousey. It's got an upstairs downstairs, uh, brick building. It's it's not falling apart. We see it. We get a street view, and it looks pleasant. The yards look kind of nice, and the street looks clean. Everyone has their garbage cans outside. They're all in a row. Um, yeah, and they're not in cramped a cramped place either. Uh, Marta and her sister whose name we learn here is alice and her mom are all living here together and it's they have a decent sized kitchen it seemed in the in the script it said that but maybe they changed their mind because if she's working all the time there and if she weren't making enough money to afford a place that was okay it might uh make you like wonder how yeah. much he was paying or if like if she's there it all the time make you she can't judge work a different zombie yeah and like even though we, she shared with yeah. people she should have a place that like is okay to live like <laughs> you know like not like she, she's working there all the time and she has to live in a in a very tiny tiny house in like a slum yeah yeah, yeah. yeah neighborhood yeah no it's yeah it's it's a decent neighborhood and 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 the house looks nice it's it's well kept on the inside um she and her sister are both on their laptops mm-hmm. Uh, which also look nice and not like, you know, my laptop sometimes look where I'm holding them together with bands, but they look, they look nice. Chromebook. Um, <laughs> She's on a Chromebook. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so it's not, it's not a super basic laptop, but. Um, so am I. I'm on a Chromebook right now. Oh. <laughs> Solid. This podcast brought to you by. Uh, so yeah, her, her sister is. Uh, so we, we go from the establishing shot outside to. Some brief time later, where she and her mom are at the kitchen table uh, having some breakfast. There's a mocha pot there, so they're having some coffee, some strong coffee. Mm-hmm. And uh, and behind them, on one of the kitchen counters, uh, her sister, Alice, is watching a television program on her laptop, which has some grisly murder talk on it and the mother is not appreciating this it is alice alice turn it off i got the audio from that show she's watching uh <laughs> someone says you murdered him you left him bleeding in the street like a stuck pig you crushed his skull with a forklift and burned up his hands to erase the fingerprints <laughs> <laughs> and then they say you'll never prove it and he says we have the nanny cam footage <laughs> that is uh that is overkill yeah. in like like rasputin level overkill yeah. to, to for murdering yeah uh and i uh, the stuck pig thing is is really evocative after not it's, it's a common phrase not a common phrase but you know what i mean it's i've heard that several times before but also very evocative after we just saw harlan having bled out on the on the couch oh, and yeah. floor. Uh, this are money of them. But yeah. Wow. That's super grisly and detailed. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I heard that it was a murder, you know, when I watched it, but I, I don't, I didn't hear all of that, but if you watch it with subtitles on, it gives you all that dialogue too. So. <laughs> I, I recall hearing that it was a murder and I recall, I could hear enough and there were lots of details about it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and her mother is sort of like um, hand waving 
uh, and I think the the last line of dialogue after after the after the nanny cam footage is her saying like um, Alice just turn it off and Alice is saying it's almost over yeah. just turn it off it's almost over and then it then that's the end of our minute you says uh, so, I'm, yeah. I'm finding out who did it and the Wi-Fi sucks in my room. <laughs> <laughs> it's like i think i think you found out who did it it's Reasonable. probably that guy that got caught on the nanny cam right it sounds like an amateur uh, yeah, murderer i, I don't think him. burning off hands is a good part of murdering if you're gonna do it all the time it sounds like it smells bad i don't know again seems like overkill yeah i was the last time we talked a little about the uh cinematography and the editing all of the cuts and the images we were getting from all different perspectives makes your eye kind of go zigzag around um I will say the score really stood out to me from this section because it begins with the the violin music we've been hearing really comes to a crescendo when am I saying that right? Crescendo? Crescendo? Crescendo. crescendo. Um I am a music I mean musical ignoramus. <laughs> but it it comes to a head when uh when Fran sees the body and this the violin music rise up, you know, um, and I will say so far, uh, part of what's made it seem like kind of an old timey mystery has been the music, mm-hmm. uh, which is very, you know, kind of Agatha Christie movie sort of, I would expect to hear, but after it cuts out, we also get, um, we also get Fran saying a swear and juggling her, uh, her her cups and saucer and 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 plate uh on the tray uh it really seems very well worked into the movie this is a really is that is that a banal observation i don't know but um but the score is not just there filling up space no the movie really is interacting with its music it does like one of those um, big endings where it's like da dun done done type thing yeah and then right uh, that shot is like edited in right at the same time as the last note, so it's like knives out, awesome fun. Oh man, so cool looking. Also, it made me, um, yeah, yeah. It really picks up when you see the body, like, and then I guess actually she says she says a swear, and then it goes when like when you get the title. And then it cuts out when we get to what I have a hard time not referring to as the real world (laughs) because Marta feels like where I live. And I will say also, as soon as I get that, oh, now I'm in like a regular modern day, not fancy setting. I want to get back to that house so bad. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, I want to go back to the mystery house. Let's go back to the mystery house. Yeah. They only leave where I live all the time. They only leave a little (laughs) bit. Yeah. But Marta, um, Ana de Armas, from Blade Runner 2049. Did you see that? I have not yet. No. Me either. No. <laughs> I don't care if you spoil it, though. I've, I've, no, I've, I like the original, but I haven't seen the sequel. I've heard yet. it's really good. And she's born in Cuba. Oh. So that's something. <laughs> that is cool. That's a fun fact about her. But uh, but like, I wanted to just point out that we don't know who she is. Like we we get her name and stuff, but we don't know what her relation is to anything that's happened so far. And I'm trying to like put myself back in that watching it for the first time. It's like, oh, whose house is this? Oh, okay, look that 
there's a oh that's who's that person oh i guess she works for oh there he is and then seeing her you don't you don't know why we've cut to this person could be the detective you know could be the person who's about to get the call you don't really know yet yeah i yeah unknown could be the murderer could be uh just someone else the house could be a child of the harlan or some other relation unknown um could be yeah could be the detective um that's my first thought actually we saw her was it but then also she is sweaty so you think maybe she's (laughs) maybe she's worried about something (laughs) this is the only thing that uh that that i've seen uh 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 anna de in was i haven't seen the new winter sequel uh, and no time to die has not come out yet, though we're gonna see her again with, um, with, oh. with, um, D. Craig, with, with, with uh, Daniel Craig, yeah. <laughs> um, I know she had a small part, I think, in Yesterday, which I also haven't seen, uh, and then Blade Runner. Um, she seems young. She's actually like thirty-two or something, but she's been dating Ben Affleck, which seems it's like t- mm-hmm. too big of a difference. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, the Afflecks. Um Yeah. Uh <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at her at her IMDB now and Knock Knock I think has been on my list. Um Who's there? But I haven't seen it. Um Keanu Reeves. Um it's, well, oh, that's why I haven't seen it. It's, it's Eli Roth. Oh, okay. Well, maybe, maybe I'll get around to that. I don't know now. Uh <laughs> I, I I like Keanu though. Uh and I see that she also has done some Spanish language stuff. Um, and I wonder if, if that was like where that was done, if that was done in the States or if that was done outside of the States. Mm. Yeah. Several titles. I know like Fred, I feel very, I watch a lot of older and bad movies. So like new good movies, I haven't seen anything. Uh, who's got the time? <laughs> she, yeah. Oh, it was made. It was made after 2005. And it's good. I probably haven't seen that. Was it was it made in 1985 and it's terrible? Yes, I have probably seen that movie. Uh, so, but yeah, it's it's. Uh, I see that she has building an impressive filmography, and she's also really good in this. I I think I think everyone in this does a really good job. But I thought Marta was a was a a excellent protagonist, and that um, Darmus played her really really well. Yeah. We do not get much from Alice or Mom, who's we don't even get a name for Mom. Uh, they're fairly minor characters, but obviously uh, Marta is going to be principal. I I wondered with hearing the dialogue coming from the computer and how kind of hammy the performance was, if it was somebody famous doing like a cameo because it's like the kind of thing that they always try to like slip in. It's obviously not a real show, does it? We've got you on the nanny cam, you know? Like <laughs> someone was someone was like, "Hey, hey Ryan, I'll do that for you." Like oh, uncredited that's, or whatever. That's, that's the kind of thing you get like you get like the voice of the director for or yeah, yeah or someone or from like, Star Wars that's like, "Sure, why not?" Yeah, do you, right, the next thing. Yeah. I'm not going to like or be like, distracting, but I'll I'll do this, you know, like Mark Hamill or something, you know. <laughs> that would be great. Or some kind of like a Easter egg, like it's a famous mystery writer. Mhm. Oh, yeah. Um yeah. Uh, well, we do have a question of the day. We're we're a little bit early to be asking this, but Wednesday's question is Benoit Blanc. Uh, without spoilers, what do you imagine for sequels? 
sequel ideas or title ideas for Benoit Blanc mysteries that you'd like to see movies for? Um, maybe something on a boat would be cool. <laughs> I think the thing about this movie and what a lot of mysteries that do that I enjoy, like Gone Girl, is that instead of it being here's who it could be and which one do you think it was, the, the way you do good subverting expectations in a mystery is to make people ask the wrong question. So if you don't know mm-hmm. what the right question is, you can't be finding the answer early. You can't, you know, if it's like, which one of these three was it? Then if everyone guesses, some people are going to be right anyway, just because they guessed. But right. but if it's like they're going to change the question a, a few times, that's what's good about it. And so I don't really have any ideas about what the specific case should be, but I think that they should do that again. And then I also think they shouldn't make too many of them because they're going to get tired of that. <laughs> but Yeah. And also, I just like, uh, you know, I don't like when directors, writer-directors get too caught up doing a series when they could be doing something fun and new each time. I will say this This is, I don't think this is spoilery, but I, I, I enjoyed this so much and I enjoy Daniel Craig's performance in this so much. It made me never want to see him as James Bond again. <laughs> Because because James Bond is a waste of Daniel Craig's What if he just does this voice for the next James Bond movie? I would love it. He should be undercover as a southern gentleman as James Bond and and do that be be Benoit Blanc the whole time. He's over That'll be James fantastic. Bond, so Oh yeah, I, I also appreciate that he doesn't really want to do James Bond anymore. Um I think he feels about James Bond like the way that like, Hugh Jackman feels about Wolverine. Like they're not really interested in doing that anymore. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm glad about that. It's not like, uh, yeah, yeah. I, it's a waste. It's a waste of his talents. And I liked his, I liked his detective so much. I would like to see. You know, something on on the sea actually is really cool because I, I really enjoy mysteries where you are stuck. Mm-hmm. You are stuck in this place. But yet there's a potential for people that might have come and gone uh, or possibly comings and goings in the end. I mean, is Death on the Nile is actually the classic version of this. Um, uh, I would say uh, Orient Express is another one, you know, another another Poirot that does the same kind of stuff where it's kind of uh, not just a locked room, but a locked murder like a, a, a locked uh, house for everyone to be in. You're stuck there. Uh, and that's a really typical thing, too, where you get like a house in the country and then there's a terrible storm where the roads are cut Hateful off. Hateful Eight. Everyone's out there. Yeah. Yeah, one of those. Clue. Uh, uh, Hateful is Eight. The, is, the, is, the, is the, the joke on those. Yeah, well, in Hateful Eight, they do the thing that they could do on the ship where it's like, oh, somebody is, someone else is on there. You just haven't seen them yet. They're, they've been hiding yes. really well there. Yeah. And Clue, they're afraid of that. They're afraid that there's someone else here and we have to search the house. And the searching the house is like the, the chance for more murders to happen. Right. Uh, see, I would love to see something else like uh, something that where things are, he's really trapped and becomes more a part of the mystery mm-hmm. uh, in the way that those do where he himself is in jeopardy would be cool. But uh, not too much because I also just like him just solving the mystery and I'm, I'm really happy to have him be not the protagonist mm. uh i would be i would love to see him as a protagonist i'm really happy to see him not as a protagonist because uh again um Anna Armas does such a really great job and marta is such a great character 
to have another great character like that for them to play off of each other and another really good actor or actress to play off each other would be fantastic so yeah yeah what if it's just like um, him looking for his cat <laughs> like a really incidental mystery yeah. i think that would actually be a fun a fun um a fun like opening feature to have on something else yeah i bet he would do that kind of thing dale craig has a lot more of a of a sense of humor and fun in a sort of a young harrison ford kind of way younger harrison ford kind of way than i gave him credit for before i saw this and then i saw him doing the like the press for this movie and the he did that funny line in the as the stormtrooper in force awakens but like the oh yeah that's yeah. right yeah he had he had a little bit in there uh which i didn't at the time i had no idea i didn't know about knives out i know other, uh, other stuff actually um so then when this kid i was like oh because they're they know each other and he was already um gonna do this don't know if i have much more to say about this minute in particular um uh, i think we've come to the end is there anything else you'd like to add about minute three i just love the grounding of having a room with three people in it and two of them are on different laptops <laughs> uh, you know like yeah it's, it's like how i watch a lot of movies they, it's like it brings it it feels real you know it doesn't feel like like everyone's not doing something fancy you know it's like it's that clash but it also it works really well and again makes me want to go back to the fancy mansion so fast i was like oh no this is too real <laughs> this is too much like my life yeah overall just like hanging out watching things on our computers and and chatting i want to go back to the fancy mansion with a rich writer uh yeah all right well nate thank you very much for joining me uh is there anything else you would like to plug for today uh sure i'll plug the calvin and hobbs cast my podcast about calvin and hobbs that's it's a good one, and uh, I'm going to do that one. I'm going to focus on that one, so if, if uh, you want to hear about Calvin and Hobbes, uh, look it what's up. The, what's the title of the podcast? Calvin and Hobbes cast. Calvin and Hobbes cast. Yeah. Excellent. All right. The, my, my daycare center at the church I went to was the Calvin and Hobbes, and it was there. <laughs> it's a, that's Presbyterian humor. <laughs> um, <laughs> it actually annoyed some people in the session because Calvin and Hobbes wouldn't actually have been friends. No. <sighs> it's a dry religion. All right. Thanks very much, Nay. Check out the rest of the Knives Out Minute and find us at Twitter at Knives Out Minute. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye, Nay. Bye.